You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 167 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on May 7th. This is Vince, and this week I'm accompanied by a pile of cough drops, Raj. I'm going to do my best not to hack and hork all over my mic. There's <laughs> no promises, but I will try. The only solace I take is you're the one that's going to have to edit it. Yeah, really. <laughs> all right. Well, this week we had free comic book day, and uh, I'll be discussing my adventures on free comic book day uh, later on in the show but first of all what we're going to get to is in celebration of free comic book day image and dark horse actually put up a couple hundred digital versions of their comics for free and boy that was a, it was a lot actually, <laughs> you don't realize how much 200 comics is until you're staring at it. it was more than that too because it wasn't just um image per se it was comicsology as well because some of the free comics that they were giving away weren't Image. They were from other publishers as well. So, Because I actually I was checking out the um, on Twitter for the different things. Because I, like I said before too, I didn't get to make it out. Which was insanely disappointing. You wouldn't think such a simple <laughs> thing like a grown-ass man disappointed that he can't go to free comic book day. But I was. And, um, and so I was reading all the fun that people were having on Twitter. And then... I was checking out the, I saw the, the free digital stuff. So I was like, yay, they thought of me. <laughs> and so <laughs> I go on. Of course, Comixology screwed up their app now so that you can't actually buy comics through their app anymore. You have to do it all through the web interface. It was coincidentally around the time that Amazon came into the picture. Total coincidence. Yeah. I'm thinking there was a board meeting where they walked in and said, okay, guess what, boys? You're not giving Apple anymore your money. <laughs> so um, so I picked them all up, and then later on there was the Dark Horse. And then again later on, I, there appeared to be even more from Comixology come up. Hmm. And so I went up, I went on their site, and I picked them up, and there was like 40-some-odd ones. And now granted, there was a the last tab of it was all different languages of the same comics, but there was also some other ones that were like from Aspen comics and whatnot. Oh, I'd missed out on those. Yeah. Well, the ones I uh, brought up to talk about this week, I actually chose all image ones for discussion. Not, not that there was anything wrong with any of the rest. Those are just ones that kind of caught my attention the most. Cause a lot of them were comics I've been hearing a lot about over the past year or so and never had a chance to check out. So that's kind of what I dove into was, oh, I always wanted to read this. Now's a great time to at least read the first issue. So the first one I have is Great Pacific, written by Joe Harris, art by Martin Marazzo. Did you check that one out? Not yet. Okay. This one's actually pretty interesting. The main character, like, at the start, he's your typical comic book, like super rich young kid, you know, gallivanting across the world, hooking up with all these beautiful models, this and that. But as the story plays out, it's actually pretty interesting because his fortune uh, that he inherited from his father and his father's business was all in oil. And, of course, he's a member of the board and it's your typical like evil <laughs> energy corporation you know, caring nothing about the environment and this and that. Whereas he is 
you know, kind of like the Oliver Queen role, if you will, going against the wills of the of the company and wanting to be more environmentally conscious about how they're going about things. But not only that, it's not he's not just like, you know, some you know tree hugging Greenpeace hippie. He's actually developing technology that would make the company even more money by going down this route. But it's an interesting interplay of the company is giving up large income in the future in favor of smaller income right now. And it's it's just something you see a lot in corporate politics and whatnot. But being played out in a comic book story, I found pretty interesting, especially when you get to the point where he has to fake his own death to, <laughs> to go about things. But I, for a first issue, I, I'm pretty into it. Like I'm not like going to run out and buy the rest, but I like the concept. The problem with something like that, a story like that, is often it can border on preachy. And so you have to, when you're writing, you be fairly careful that it doesn't come off as such. So I'd be curious to see how this one pulled it off. Yeah, it's especially the way the first issue is paced. It did. It never came to that. Like, it, like I said, he started off seeming incredibly irresponsible, and then by the end of the first issue is when you realize he has a larger plan in mind. And they even give a little tease of later where the Earth is like horribly polluted, and there's like two headed seagulls and stuff. So like I said it's it's an interesting concept, and it never comes off as you know he's high and mighty. He's just he wants to move the company in a different direction, and it seems to be built more around like the corporate like espionage and politics than it is around the actual environmental issues. Cool. All right. Uh, what if you, you take one? Okay. Uh, the deep. Um, ah, have you actually read this? I actually read it in the, um, the South by Southwest bundle. Okay. All right. Yeah. It, did it come through in that one? No, because mine said that it was, hold on. <laughs> well, I can't remember if it was in that or not, but when I looked at when because you can look at when you purchased it. Right. It said the date of the free comic book uh, date. It, they might have included it. They might have included it, included it again. Uh, too bad. I'm going to talk about it because I thought it was freaking cool. Yeah. I, uh, written by Tom Taylor. The, and I'm trying to remember. I I thought you had talked about this already in a what we're reading possibly. I didn't discuss it. I just okay. kind of briefly mentioned it. Okay. So, yeah, it's uh, – I really liked it. I liked the, the concept Again, of the the family, Swiss Robinson family kind of thing, going off and and doing stuff, exploring, and here it's all underwater and um, going in deeper and deeper because of the earthquake, which they think shifted enough that there's dragons in some spot, and it's it's fantastical, but especially the art lends itself to it. So you can end the story. I mean, trying to train a, a goldfish <laughs> to fish. So it, I need to read later issues and find out if that goldfish saves the day. Yeah, really. <laughs> the fact that it follows him when he's outside of the ship is, is funny. I thought, but, uh, but no, I, I, I like the cast a lot. And the, like I said, the art I thought was insanely beautiful. So it's, it's actually it did its job that I'm looking at this and thinking, okay, yeah, I will be picking up more of these. I really quite liked it a lot. It's also nice to see from uh, Taylor himself, a guy who's basically made his living at this point in writing these incredibly violent and dark stories, can do something that's very family oriented and pull it off. Yeah, well, it's not without its dark when you're looking. <laughs> well, you, there's, there's massive a big whales cut in half, bit in half. <laughs> 
All right. Well, the next one I have is uh, The Strange Talent of Luther Strode, written by Justin Jordan, art by Trad Moore, who we've been seeing on All New Ghost Rider, and uh, Felipe Sobrario. The art is very different from what we're seeing in Ghost Rider. It's not like you still see a small hint of those manga influences, but nowhere near what, what he's putting out there. Still very, very stylized. Like it's very gritty and fits in with uh, the character. Although at this point, I don't know exactly what we're going with here. Our main character, Luther, he's your typical comic book nerd. And he actually buys one of those uh, fitness guides that they used to sell out of the backs of old comics and magazines. (laughs) And he starts doing the exercises and discovers he has these amazing powers now. Unknown if it's by virtue of the exercise or if it's just something he always had, blah, blah, blah. But when... You, you have kind of those Spider-Man moments where the school bullies kind of start picking on him and he fights back and it's violent, like it's brutal. But it's at least the Luther parts are done in kind of a fun way almost. But you also have this slide over to this other organization that I guess uh, employs other people with his power set. And it's just brutal, nasty. We're talking like invincible levels of violence and gore. <laughs> So seeing how those two different storylines are going to come together is interesting. Like, I don't know if it's something I'm going to continue reading, but uh, it's one I've been hearing a bunch about. So check out the first issue and it's all right. Like, it, it didn't really grab a hold of me the way some of the other stuff did. All right. So that's all I got for that one. What do you have next, Raj? Dead Body Road. Oh, I actually did read this one. I just didn't bring it up. Because you were not impressed like me? Pretty much. <laughs> it's the Punisher, except Punisher meets like Cannonball Run <laughs> movie where there's like, <laughs> having to chase him down. So it was, it it very much was just a Punisher story. So I, I mean, it, it, it was, it was decent at points and I say decent, not good, but there was also a lot of cheesy corny stuff and then the you know stupid crap that you would see in these kind of stories and then it was very much just punisher yeah it was your typical violent revenge story with all the goods and ills that come along with it yeah, very it didn't really goods. do anything groundbreaking yeah, yeah. so I, I i wanted to bring it up though because it was one of the ones that i read so and i thought mm-hmm. well and and talk about the bad ones too. Okay, well, good because <laughs> I don't actually have a whole lot of bad. To say. Okay. <laughs> Next one I have is Elephant Men, uh, written by Richard Starkings, art by Moritat. This was I was actually really into this. Have you ever read any Elephant Men though before this? No. See this one that I keep wanting to read, and I actually never have. Hmm. I. On one hand, like the the setup of the story is somewhat cliched. You know, you have this giant, you know, nine foot tall elephant man who's just kind of looking sad in the rain, and you have the cute little girl who runs up and she's all inquisitive, asking him, you know, about you know his ears and his trunk and this and that. But it's just the way it plays out, and especially the artwork, the the amount of expression and emotion this elephant gives is an absolute credit to uh, Moritat, who does everything on this, all the. The pencils, inks, colors, and the story keeps flashing back and forth between you know, present day and the past where he and the other 
not elephants, but other animal men were genetic experiments that some warlord in Africa used. And it keeps flashing back and forth between like this unbridled rage of this hulking beast smashing through villages and just destroying everything in his path to like this sad man in the rain talking to this little girl. And while like I said, while the premise is something we've seen plenty of times before, just the way it worked really resonated with me. All right, what you got? Did you read Drumheller? No, I did not. Wow. Have a couple of drinks before you do, and it might make <laughs> sense to you. Or a shot of LSD or something. I'm not promoting that. But, wow, it's... What's the word I'm looking for? It It, <laughs> it is so trippy. It makes like Alice in Wonderland seem boring in comparison. It's, and, and that's part of the problem that I had with it was that it, it was trying too hard to be trippy and like, I've got nothing against fun, quirky writing has, as has been said often in the show for different series that we really like kind of thing. If, if it's, clever and and witty and well-written I'm all for it but there's times when it feels forced and you're thinking like okay you're you're trying way too hard here buddy and that's how this felt and the problem with being quirky and trippy too is that you still have to keep in mind that you have an audience who's reading so pulling a Phoenix peacock thing out of a puddle might make sense to you (laughs) and looking through the world from the ceiling of the, the, the sky might make sense to you, but it's not necessarily going to make sense to everybody else reading it. And so it, it takes a while before you can get into the characters and I shouldn't even say get into, but get a handle on the characters because I personally did not get into the characters at any point. I, I just couldn't really give a rat's ass about them, to be honest. And then the, again, the, the settings and the, the plot devices are all, it, it feels like they're trying, he's trying too hard. So I, I I won't be reading any more of this. I'm curious what other people would think. I'm curious what you'll think about it when you read it too. And I'm I'm curious if it I don't want to say gets better, but if if I would enjoy it more once I get to know the characters more and the type of stories that are told in it and all that. Maybe at some point it would be something that, you know, grows on me, but as it stands now having read just this one, no, not really. I I I can't be bothered to read another one of this. At some point, there might be, you know, a, a point to all the weirdness, but oh, I'm are, sure there do you is. want to get there? <laughs> well, there's a point even that you see here in, in the manner that it's told as the story goes on, because it's very much this kind of supernatural existence that goes on here. So it kind of makes sense. This also was published, uh, no, actually it was November of last year. So this is one of the newer ones, because some of the ones that were free, obviously, were quite a bit older as well. So... But yeah, this is relatively new. I wonder how it is doing. Okay. 
And the other two I have, I'll, I'll just do one at a time, are actually pretty interesting because they're two separate comics from the Luna Brothers, who we talked about a yeah. while back when they did The Sword. So the first one I have is Alex and Ada, written by Sarah Vaughn and Jonathan Luna and art by Jonathan Luna. And this one I was one of the first ones I want to look at because it's one of the ones that came out as the, uh, the image first, the dollar comics. Right. So I'm like, oh, it must be doing pretty good. So let me check it out. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> like I can see where it's going only after the first issue, but I'm also interested in seeing how it gets there. Uh, from an artwork point of view, it's definitely more refined from what we saw on the sword, although still a little stiff at points. Still feels a little artificial. Although, given the way the, the story structure is, that might be an asset <laughs> later down the road. Uh, it's basically a utopian future where you know, technology is so ingrained in society, most people have these little implants in their heads that allow them to just mentally control you know, everything from their shower to their coffee maker to their cars. And it's the uh, – Alex's main character, it's his, uh, it's his birthday. And he gets a call from his grandma who goes telling him about how much she's enjoying her wonderful sex android. What? Okay, hold on. Which, which series is this again? <laughs> Alex and Ada. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it's a companion. But hey, Granny ain't getting any younger. She, she's taking everything where she can get. <laughs> Don't turn over any tables around her is what you're saying. <laughs> it's, it's funny in that, you know, uncomfortable sort of way. But it, it's actually pretty charming as well because, you know, her husband died and she, you know, she was looking for companionship and all that. And Alex himself is, you know, getting over a bad relationship and doesn't really want to get back into dating. So grandma's like, oh, you should, you should get one too, Alex. <laughs> so, of course, by the end of the comic, grandma gave him a birthday present. <laughs> and that's Ada, who like, and in the last page of the comic is when she first wakes up. So it's definitely looking to be some sort of like love story with him and his android companion. Story. But they also lay the groundwork early on of one of the technology companies was a little irresponsible and basically created a small Skynet situation. So I, I'm actually pretty interested to see where they go with the story and like this weird love story mixed in with possibly some sort of Terminator scenario. <laughs> What's the uh, when was this published? It's very recent. I, I think the first issue came out last year. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely going to read that. Sounds fun. That it is again. It's it's a premise that's not entirely original, but I I'm it's into what it. they play with it. It's how, yeah. it's how they use it. Yeah. I mean, come on. You get sexy grandma. <laughs> that, that sold me right there. That's, uh, I'll read well, that's, that. That's in your wheelhouse. Yeah, that's, that'd be fun to read. All right. What's your next one? All right. I, man. I'm either going to, damn it. <laughs> I got too many. I, <laughs> okay. All right. Lightning round. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be doing a couple for the next one um, just because. I some of these I actually really dug. Some of them kind of had me wondering where they're going. Like uh, twenty seven. Did you read that one? No. It's actually really it's Charles Sewell, and it's uh, I don't know where he's going with the series as a whole, but it's the typical sell your soul to the devil for to learn how to play blues back in the in the day kind of thing. This is uh, Mississippi nineteen thirty five. So it's a story that we've heard and seen on TV over and over and over again. So they put a twist on it in that there's a couple of other demon things that kind of sign the contract along with them. So 
it was the art was pretty cool, and but again, the story is one that we've seen over and over again. So I was eh, so so, but that's not the one I'm talking about. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> the abiding perdition. Okay. You didn't see this one? I didn't even see that one. <laughs> okay. See, this might be one of the ones I, I I really didn't keep track of which ones I got when kind of thing. And I, I know I should have, but yeah, anyways, um, I just made sure that the ones I downloaded to talk were the ones that I downloaded on. I bought on that day. <laughs> so I knew, okay, these are the free ones. This one's from Arcana comics actually. So okay. it's not image. So that's kind of why I was kind of wondering about it. And, it has a, a, a very cool art style, kind of like fantasy, but with a, a a nice little kind of hard to place it, like a, a light touch to it, a comical touch. So it was, I mean, it, it's not always phenomenal, but there are some amazing panels. And it's kind of this Robin Hood, or not Robin Hood, Little Red Riding Hood kind of story initially, woven into this story so you have this little girl with the red hood that takes off and she's there's a wolf that dispatches with her family and whatnot and then she but they twist it and she gets rescued by this massive warrior and he essentially adopts her and then raises her and then it cuts to later on where she is going to go and finally hunt this massive wolf and he's going to go with her. So, I mean, it's not an entirely original premise and it works on those fables kind of stories. And initially I thought when you read it, man, you open it up and there's a lot of text and I'm not afraid of reading, but like, you know, that too, too much text can Mm -hmm. really slow down the, the story and how it progresses. There has to be a lot that's told through imagery and then, through text as well. So I was thinking, oh, this is going to slog, but it actually works and it's, it's, it's well enough written. Then you're like, you get into that fairy tale kind of feel. It was, I'm curious where it's going to go, but I mean, not enough that it would be anywhere near the top of a pull list, but it was good. It was well done. Okay. All right, go ahead. And then the last one I have is Whispers, uh, written and drawn by Joshua Luna. This one I actually thought was pretty damn cool. The uh, main character, he's got kind of an obsessive compulsive like hypochondriac disorder where he's constantly washing his hands and worried about touching things. And while at this point I don't know like how much that's going to lend to the actual character development – like the way he's written, like he really get into his head and like just the, the sheer terror he has, you know, opening a door sometimes. And I, it, it was actually pretty well done, uh, if you ask me. But on top of that, he's discovered that he has these dream walking abilities where he can visit people that he knows. He can't just jump around randomly and hear their thoughts. Not only that, but if they are, you know, thinking about a particular subject, he can actually influence their train of thought about it. Like at one point he visits his mother, who is the one who kind of passed this disorder onto him. And you know, he, you know, he's trying to help her out until he realizes, you know, that, that 
you know, she's so far gone. Like it's some really good character stuff. You know, he visits an ex-girlfriend who's become a junkie, you know, tries to save her life, realizes he probably only made things worse for her. Like there, there's some really cool things that can be done with this. And the art is pretty darn good as well. So I, I had never even heard of this one before. So I'm definitely gonna be looking for more. Cool. And that's the end of my list. So go for it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to really tone back. But there are a couple that I actually did want to talk about. Did you read uh, Lady Mechanica? That I read that a couple of years ago. Didn't again? I? This is another Aspen Comics one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I remember seeing it in the comic book store when it came out. And yeah, being I, I wonder if issue three has made it out yet. Floored by the covers because it's got this steampunk style, and it's I mean it's a an attractive female character without being slutty, mm-hmm. and. It's it, it just caught my eye and I thought, wow, the style is just gorgeous. And inside it is as well. I mean, the art, it's created, written, and drawn by the same guy, Joe Benitez. And Okay, I'm, I'm familiar with Benitez. Some of these two panel spreads are like, oh, like really, really impressive. And again, not an entirely original concept where you have somebody who does not know where they came from and needing to figure it out and everybody's against them kind of thing. So not entirely original, but the story was still well enough written, even just at this, that I'm going to go back and find whatever issues there are, because I really would like to read more about this character. And cause she has obvious, well, tracking hunting skills. She's, She's has compassion as well, which you see, but never comes off as weak. And then is also just a plain badass as well. It's, she's a good character. I mean, again, there's some stereotypes in there, but it's still, it works. So I really dug this a lot. And again, I can't say enough about the art style. If, if it's coming out that slow, there's a reason why it's because it yeah, looks it, amazing. That's the, that's the big knock against that comic. Last time I checked, and it's been a while, so I don't know what the current status is, but issue three was, I believe, nine months late. Okay. Well, <laughs> you can only be so late, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you read The Killer? No. Ooh. Okay. This is good. I'm not going to even spoil it, but it's freaking good. And again, there. here's a story where we've talked about this before, too much narration doesn't always work. It can be very bad. We've seen it done really well, but then we've also seen it where it's terrible. And this is really heavy narration because you're in the character's head, but it's so bloody interesting. And it's not like he's verbose. It's, he's just explaining different things, but it's to the point. Um, this was really good. And this one's from Archaea. And it's written by, I, there's there's not even a last name. It's Mats, Mats, and illustrated by Luke Jackamon. But it's translated by Mats as well. So I don't know what it was written in originally. It's an international story, so you're getting you know bits from other places around the world. He's essentially the main character is a contract killer. It was really, really quite cool. I'm hoping that you got this one. I'm uh, pretty sure I did. Okay, yeah, read it. I was, I really dug it. I thought it was really quite good. 
Okay. Um, only one more, and then I'll stop. Because I, I read lots of other ones that I was floored by. But let's move on to, just to, to say, the, the Dark Horse ones. One of the free ones that they gave away was the Umbrella Academy. I didn't realize it until I was done reading it, but it was like 2007 this was published. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not new. I didn't realize looking at it. But I thought, wow, the cover is freaking incredible art on the cover and then it was a free comic book day so i thought well i don't think it was this year i don't remember from last year well there's a reason i don't remember it (laughs) jeez um i don't know how long this series lasted for did you ever read any of these no but i know it was really popular i think it might even still be coming really honestly because wow this was a little again one of those where it's you're trying too hard you know it was it, it it just came off as again too much. It, it was trying to be quirky and weird and and stuff like that. And it was just you're trying too hard. If you can just make it a little bit more subtle, it'll go a long way. But what do I know? If it's still running, then obviously people love it. So, but I was uh, actually I'm looking yeah, at one it's of had, the, it's had 15 issues come out since September 2007, but it is still being published. It actually lists here. It was a 2008 Eisner Award winner for Best Limited Series. Mm-hmm. So maybe it gets better. I Again, it, I, I dug some of the characters. I just found that at points was trying too hard to be, again, quirky and weird. And it's like ah, a little subtlety goes so far in things like this. You can still have quirky, weird, and fun, but I mean – Sprinkle. Don't just pour it on everything. No. All right. Anyways, we'll leave it at that. All right. Well, uh, for what we're reading, I cool. just have my free comic book day edition. Uh, I actually went around to a couple of stores this year. Uh, I went around to, you know, my smaller local local stores. But I made the, uh, the trip up to Tate's Comics, uh, which is about a 20, 30-minute drive for me. And they're, you know, a huge store, by far the biggest store in South Florida. They actually won an Eisner for a retailer really? years back. Yeah. Awesome. Did so you I, get the I, I love the store. I just don't, don't have enough chance to get up there very often. But holy crap, do they have, you know, their free comic book day was he, like, I had to park almost a block away. <laughs> they had this, they, they took over the entire parking lot with this giant tent, which was thankfully air conditioned because it was about 90 degrees outside. And, they just had a whole bunch of local exhibitors of publishers, writers, artists. Like it was basically like an artist's alley at a comic con set up outside, and you had to wind your way through the tables in order to get to the part where you picked out your free comics. And like I just I went around like I, I was in line for about an hour longer than I needed to be because I was just stopping and checking out all the booths. And I'm going to come back to one of them later, but no, it was just a great setup, and the store is fantastic. But as far as the actual free comics, a lot of them weren't very good at all. <laughs> Did you get the hardcover mouse guard from Arkea? I found out after I had spent two hours in line that I could have. <laughs> oh, dude. Because the way Tate's was set up is you went through the big line outside, chose which comics you want, and then you went inside and waited in another line to actually get them. And like a kid two spots in front of me actually had a mouse guard, but I would have had to go back through the two-hour line in order to you know reselect it, if you will. You should I, have. I just assumed because they'd been open for six hours at that point that they would have been sold out. Oh, man. That, that's my biggest disappointment is not getting that. And unfortunately, unlike last year, I didn't find anybody on, on Twitter who was selling extras because like, I would have done the same thing and ordered them online. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, the, the smaller stores I went to later in the day, they were long gone on those. Hmm. <laughs> so it was just a lot of like average stuff. And I've, ex- I've accepted by this point that most of the free comic book day issues are just like half of an actual issue, like almost as an advertisement. Just a lot of the ones I read just weren't very good, weren't very interesting. There were a couple that I did enjoy, though. Uh, <laughs> 2000 AD, again, had a very solid free comic book day uh, edition. Judge Dredd, a bunch of other twisted sci-fi stuff. Uh, Atomic Robo, uh, it, again, it was really good. I mean, we liked it last year when we read yeah. it. Although for a, a free comic book day edition that featured two all-ages short stories, it also had this creepy, like, freaky horror thing as the third story. <laughs> it was cool, but it's like, man, a little out of place. <laughs> Keep the kids on their toes. That's yeah. what comics has become, especially if they're reading the DC stuff too. <laughs> I, I was so disappointed because I was really looking forward to this one. Uh, Viz Media, who does manga, actually put one out this year for All You Need Is Kill. And All You Need Is Kill is the manga adaptation of a Japanese light novel that's also been adapted into uh, Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie coming out later this year. So I was like really interested in checking out the manga. Come to find out the free comic book day edition is an American adaptation of the Japanese manga that's an adaptation of the light novel. And it was just it, – it didn't do anything for me. Like, I, I still want to actually find the manga. <laughs> but as far as the, uh, the American version, it – it didn't do anything. And, it, like, and even then, like, the, the, the prelude was like a side story for one of the secondary characters. Like, ah. And it had a backup with this other uh, Terraformers manga, which looked like it could have been cool, but it was only like four pages. So I, there was nothing there to really grab onto. Huh. Uh, Marvel put out two. I didn't uh, get the Rocket Raccoon, but I did get the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy one. And it was pretty fun. You know, a nice introduction to the team, the story of uh, – Tony Stark talking Venom into going out into space. It's, it, it serves its purpose. Like if you're not reading Guardians of the Galaxy, this is a good stepping in point because you know, he's introducing Venom to all the various characters. It also has a couple backups. One is a preview of the Thanos hardcover that's coming out, I think, in August. And, oh, man, that is 100% a Vince comic. <laughs> and it also gives another small preview of Amazing Spider-Man 1.1, which – I still have no idea what the heck they're doing with this comic at this point. Between this and what we saw in Amazing Number One, I, I don't know. But yeah, overall, I think that one was pretty good. But by far, the standout for me was uh, Udon put out a Street Fighter issue, which was uh, just a collection of, of a couple short stories from other graphic novels and stuff that they've done over the last couple years. And Udon just does fantastic work like their art is great uh zub and uh, edwin hong from skull kickers do a lot of work with udon and they do a great job with the license and it was just it was a lot of fun it was a big like oversized like dimension wise not thickness but it's like it's an oversized comic so the artwork is just gigantic and beautiful and yeah that was really my standout from free comic book day this year cool but aside from that, when I was out at the uh, exhibitor tent, one, I actually did purchase a graphic novel from one of the local guys, and it caught my eye because the title is Tart. <laughs> oh, I saw you tweeting about this. Yes, yes. And uh, the writer, he's actually from Fort Lauderdale, so I got to you know, sit there and talk to him for a little bit, and he was telling me about the comic. And, you know, it was 10 bucks. I was like, okay, sure, no problem. I, I, I will support this. And it's a lot of fun. Like the main character, Tart, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's written by... Kevin Joseph, art by Ludovic Salé. Uh, Ludovic lives in France. So they actually have an interesting collaboration going across the oceans uh, with it. Yeah, Tart, she's a, a time-traveling demon slayer. 
So it's kind of <laughs> like it's Buffy crossed with Quantum Leap because she always shows up, you know, where she needs to be. But it's still fun. And since you have that time traveling aspect, uh, Saleh really gets to play with the artwork because it's three issues in the, the soft cover I picked up. The first issue takes place in the 50s. So he, the art has a very like pinup quality to it. You know, that classical and it, it, you know, it's, it's sexy, but not overly. I mean, of, uh, unfortunately, it's, it, it is, I don't want to say unfortunately, but it's definitely a, a mature comic only because there is some small nudity in there. But like, it just looks great. It has a cool quality to it. And the story is, is pretty interesting at this point. Uh, for the second issue, she ends up in like the Ice Age where Saleh uses the same art style, but in a completely different medium. Like it's uh, it's all hand painted instead of using pencils and inks. So you have these white, like stark white backdrops of all the snow. And then he just paints in like these mountains and caves in the background. And it looks fantastic. Oh, God. Like I can't even begin to praise it enough. And then for the third issue, he resorts back to a more typical style. But it's not like what we see in a lot of comics where you have these jarring style differences because it's definitely the same style. He's just using different techniques and going from issue to issue, it actually really works for me. And for a small uh, indie comic, uh, I believe it's self-published. Uh, their website is Keshal Comics, K-E-C-H-A-L Comics.com. Uh, they have this and uh, one other comic that I haven't looked at yet that they're putting out, but... I mean, it's it's cool to see a, a local creator doing something that's really fun. How many issues in are they? Uh, three issues uh, in the first uh, collection. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that's neat. But of course, being a little indie, self-published, I mean, it's it's not exactly on a uh, terribly accelerated yeah. schedule. Yeah. But well, the, a lot of these people have jobs, too, and stuff. So exactly. They do it when they, yeah. they can. No, for, for, for what it is, I really enjoyed it. Cool. And uh, I'm just going to stop there for the day, then. Okay. Well, why not talk about that amazing Spider-Man? I think we should. Okay. It was... It was the most Peter Parkeriest story that's ever Peter Parkered. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> like, you wanted him back, folks. Guess what? <laughs> You're getting him in the buff, too. <laughs> so uh, you could see where he was having fun with it. I I really like where he's going with, with um, Anna Maria. Oh, of course, that's I, that, that's point one on our list of things that need to be addressed. Yeah, well, not just that, but I I, I like that she's not being written off, mm-hmm. and that she's going to be sticking around in in what capacity? Who knows? I I can't imagine that they're going to continue any kind of romance thing. Although he might, who knows? But the fact that she's going to stay around as a character, I think, is really important. So that was cool as hell like when she found the ring it's like oh. <laughs> you know grown ass man covering his mouth going oh my god <laughs> and then the stuff at the end obviously where she's talking to him as well and she's telling him that she knows it was like okay she's obviously going to be around for a while and what's funny is that like you see MJ in this for a little bit and it's like I've I'm I'm all right with being done with her in the picture for a while. Mm-hmm. She wanted to take off. That's cool. You you go on. I want to see more of Anna Maria and how this is going to progress between the two of them. So that was that was pretty cool. The the whole bit with the these furries that he's stopping that was like uh, more than just a little lame. But 
I mean, most of the other stuff, with the exception of the big, okay, let's just insert something completely new into the established yeah. history. That was kind of like, what the hell is that all about now? Why are you doing that? Yeah, I'm still very confused about that last backup story. Cause like, it just doesn't make any sense at this point, like as far as timelines and a lot of things. Yeah, it's when you're kind of when you're 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 messing around with established lore, you know. I'm I'm not even talking about the 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 final story. I'm talking about oh. the spider bite that bites oh, what okay. appears to be MJ. It could be somebody else. It's not it's not MJ, it is somebody else. It's it, a new character they're introducing. Yeah. So, it's like that one I don't have that big of a deal with. I'm not always on board with that because it's like well, it's, come it, up with as your with own anything. St- it's going to depend on execution. Yeah, but come up with your own stuff. You know that that's already done. Somebody else already did it. You're you you've proven that you can come up with new and original concepts going forward. Why not do that instead of going back and retconning stuff, especially something that far back that you're adding something that was clearly not there to begin with. It's all well and good to say, oh, but you didn't see this. Is what no. It wasn't there. So you're just bringing in crap instead of working with what you've done. So I I, I wasn't as thrilled about that. See, that, that didn't bother me nearly as much as that last backup story. Yeah, that's another one, too. That Which was, was just, like, awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wasn't as thrilled with the backup stories, period. Um I do like the black cats out on a Yeah, vendetta, the black though. the black cat doesn't stand out, obviously. <laughs> so it's like I kinda like that. The whole bit about him going to visit his clone, it was like, why would he be going to Texas? What why to check in on him? No. It wouldn't happen. So why put that in there except to promote that character? So again, when when something feels forced, I am I'm not always crazy about it. Yeah, it, it didn't make sense, but I, I actually like uh, what they did with Kane and Scarlet Spider. So, like, yeah. story-wise, I was okay with it, but, yeah, it, it was kind of out of place. Yeah, so, okay. Um, anything else you want to say about that one before I move on? Uh, no, well, it's fine. Okay. Did you read the last Superior Spider-Man team-up, the one with Doc Ock? No, I actually have not. Okay. Well, it's not really him and Doc Ock. It's Doc Ock talking about you know, things that have gone wrong and all of the further to the stuff with Goblin when Goblin, you know, puts the virus on the woman that he loves and stuff. So, and then it leads into Parker narrating. It's, it's weird. And by weird, I mean wrong the way in in which it's narrated because it comes off as, as Otto is narrating, talking, and then it transitions into Parker narrating and even the tenses aren't right. So it's kind of weird. I I kind of found it poorly written myself. Hmm. So did you read uh, Ultimate FF number one? Yes. I, I was actually saving that for a later episode, but okay. <laughs> oh, no, we'll save it then. I don't, right. I don't mind saving it. I Because uh, I, I kind of got into the the whole new Ultimate stuff. Because yeah. the Ultimate Spider-Man number one, Miles Morales one, just came out as well. Right. That's and why I, I was saving it. <laughs> read it already. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it came okay. out and it's like, I'm reading that now. Okay. And so I did. Well, okay. Well, if you're saving it, I'll wait then. Okay. Because I had things to say. <laughs> I had many things to say. 
<laughs> I will hold back. Okay, well, I'll end then with Electra. Did you read number uh, one? I, I have not had an opportunity to look at that one yet. Okay. Art was beautiful. Yeah, that's what I've seen. Del Mundo did the art, and it was like, wow. It is gorgeous. And again, as we've seen with other artists, I mean, so many artists try to be very creative with their panel placement, but a lot of them fail because they try to be too creative. And yet this one actually works, even though there's a lot of insanity in some of the pages, it still works. He's obviously quite skilled. So I really like this. I, I really am enjoying the story, the ideas, everything. It's striking me very much as a black widow kind of story, except it's going to be more violent and she's not going to be afraid of killing people when need arises. And, uh, and so it was kind of cool. It's, it's not all Electra. There was a lot that was other characters had quite a number of pages dedicated to them. So it felt like a well-rounded story that, you know, wasn't just a fan service for fans of Electra. I, I dug it. I really liked the, the characters. I, I enjoyed the story. I'm not going to say by any stretch that I thought it was phenomenal or anything like that, except for the art. The art was justifiably, but I mean, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I will definitely be reading more of it. All right, cool. That's it. Okay, then. Well, for this week's new releases, we have from Marvel, Amazing Spider-Man 1.1, which we said, I don't know what they're doing with that yet. Isn't that going to be the silver or the, 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 the what's her face? The, 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 what's her what? face? The, the, the new girl? Yeah, no. Screw it. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have the new Cyclops, number one. We have Iron Fist, Living Weapon, number two. Magneto, number three. Miles Morales, the ultimate Spider-Man, number one. Moon great. Knight, number three. And the next big event is kicking off with Original Sin, number one. Image brings us Burn the Orphanage, Reign of Terror, number one. I actually really dug the uh, little miniseries they did. So it's now in a little on a monthly so really looking forward to that. Nailbiter number one, which is just kind of like a sick, twisted Silence of the Lamb serial killer looking story. So really interested in that one. And Rat Queens number six, now near the top of our list. Yeah. And Valiant also brings us Archer and Armstrong number 20. I went off. I, I went and looked. I thought that the 1.1 was the Black Cat stuff, but I don't no, believe it is. I think Black actually. Cat is like four or five. Yeah, or I think it's number three. They're talking about it. So, okay. Okay. All right, then. Well, that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. And until next week, thanks for listening. And nobody there because reasons. <laughs> God. It takes me forever to get there, and then there's nobody there. They probably knew I was walking over with a big stick intending on using it. <laughs> Arch, you want to go to me for the next one? Yeah. Well, I'm waiting. Well, all right. What have you got next, Roger? <laughs> okay, We're how so, about we not so, make it so difficult to edit? So professional. <laughs> okay, how about now? All right, so that's all I got for that one. We'll be on next one.